is this thing on? Aloha. Jeremy Vaney here. And it is uh, an impromptu talk. A very windy day. So if you hear wind and chimes and all that fun stuff, I apologize. Um, if you want to join in and uh, come say hello and talk about whatever's going to come out of my mouth or whatever you want to come out of yours, feel free. Um, I just wanted to do a little bit on a secret skeleton key to all worlds. I mean, it's something that, that I've, I've talked about, but not directly in this way until um, I just interviewed Greg Kaminsky, who's the host of um, a cult of personality podcast. I interviewed him for um, the show I host once a month, dreamland with Whitley Strieber, except once a month it's with me. So, for our next month's show, it's Greg Kaminsky talking about his book, Proneos, which is about um, some initial steps in a specific type of Buddhism that he has been practicing since 2017. It's sort of about how to do those steps and, you know, I guess, master them and whatever, what the results will be. So what was interesting in this conversation and sort of the, became the theme of it in a way is that so – Here's Greg. He is someone who is a Freemason. He's someone who uh, has a degree in medieval studies. Obviously, he's got a show called The Cult of Personality, so he talks about occult stuff, ritualistic stuff, magic stuff, all of that, spiritual stuff. And he's been seeking it as well all of his life. And now he's stumbled upon, um, I'll probably butcher it, but it's something like Vajrana, Vajranya, um, I think it's Vajrana. Buddhism, which is a type of tantric Buddhism that, you know, essentially he came to seeking truth, right? And power and you know, all this stuff that you look to the occult for. You you really want like power. <laughs> you want control over uh, the unknowable by way of knowledge, at least. And if you're into magical practices, then, then in some other way. Um, so all of these things are, are in him to want and also, you know, seeking spiritual truth or truth of the meaning of life and all of that. And he stumbles upon a uh, Western Buddhist, um, I guess, I don't know what they would call the master practitioner. I don't know. Guru type. Maybe he's just good old fashioned guru and starts doing this Buddhist path. and it makes him a better person. And he starts to understand that the key to these things that you desire actually begins with being a better person, serving people, you know, uh, being of service to others, being psychologically clear, understanding the self, you know, all of these things. Uh, once you start doing that, then truth and all of that reveals itself and the things that you desired or the way that you desire them, the empowerment ways, the control ways, those fall to the side because um, they are products of the illusion that you're seeing through, which is yourself. So the self wants these things and desires these things and, and seeks them out. And then I guess the irony is once you get to the proper place, where you can quote unquote have them. Um, you don't want them anymore <laughs> in that way. And yet they come to you in the appropriate way as truth, as wisdom. 
Um, and so is the skeleton key to all worlds actually being a good person? I just was thinking about this, like, right, because this is similar what, with what happened with me in the sense that I think I came to Jiddu Krishnamurti um, and ultimately understanding what he said, uh, which led to, to my complete dissolution of self, complete emptiness, complete nothingness, uh, just through understanding completely. But the way that I got there was through the arrogance of like not understanding what Krishnamurti was saying, but realizing that the smart people who um, I was reading and understanding um, were reading and understanding him. So it must be me. I don't want to be the dummy. So I'm going to keep reading him. I'm going to fight through my own anger <laughs> over how stupid what he was saying seemed to me at the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it really, it was my own, like, moronic seeking self sense that kept me going to the point where, where that self was abandoned or dissolved. And then the truth be there. If truth be there at all, there it be. And we get this in the same way religiously in, in at least in some religions, like I was just thinking, it just came to me like Muhammad was a thief, right? Uh, and yet here we are. Um, so there's something about like in a religious context of, right, we're all broken. Otherwise we would be that quote unquote perfection or we would be living in wholeness to begin with. If we're not, then we're all broken, arrogant, moronic selves, criminals, <laughs> whatever we are. And we need to, uh, we need to not embrace that, not run with that, not be defending that. But ultimately, uh, that, that person needs to dissolve. And that is the skeleton key to all worlds. It's, it's no key. It, it's nothing. However, um, I think the difference between sort of, the complete dissolution of self and the trying to be a better person is that, and I didn't talk to Greg about this and I'll have him back on dreamland at some point. So maybe we'll get into this, but that it's a substitute. The, the trying to be a better person means that the being a better person is an ideal that's on a pedestal and you're not being that ideal. So you're constantly on a treadmill walking toward that carrot, right? <laughs> that dangling carrot of an ideal. And you're going, well, I'll never get there. That's just human nature. So I'll just keep going and going. And it seems to me that what Buddhism, at least the Buddhism that he practices, gives you an addition to um, to the good feeling you have inside for just doing right by other people and by yourself and, and being clear psychologically. The other carrot is that if you do these certain practices, the the tantra or the, 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 the mantras and the... Um, you know, the, the creative visualizations and all that is you will, you are promised something and then you see that something, you know, whether it be a deity, whether it be psychic awakenings, whatever it is, you, you get this quote unquote higher thing that just being a good person by choice doesn't give you. And so if you're trying to be a good person, uh, whether it's because you're religious and that's what your religion tells you. And so you're trying your best or you just want to. Well, you can always choose away from that, right? It's not a choiceless choice. 
This is not your sense of being. This is your sense of what you wish you were. And so you can always get frustrated with that, get sick of doing it, and do something else. You can be a jerk. You can hurt people. You can hurt yourself. You can recede, right? I mean, it's a pendulum. And so sitting on this pendulum, it's um, better to have higher enticements. Like, not only does it pay to be a good person in this mortal world, but if you repeat the name Candyman three times in the mirror, no, no, whatever it is that Buddhism does, you know, you, you repeat this creative visualization process of a certain thing over and over again, a kajillion times. Well, eventually uh, it comes to you in your mind's eye and there opens up some sort of impersonal communication with this manifested whatever and higher and higher you climb on this spiritual hierarchy. So what I would pose though, and what I would love, love to talk to, to Greg or to any of you, maybe someone listening, although there aren't many right now because I'm just doing this impromptu, but I would love to know um, if what you're seeing there is also false because the spiritual hierarchy is false. The spiritual hierarchy is what you're doing uh, as a self trying to climb, trying to get somewhere. And is it um, a co-creation of the universe itself as an intelligent being through you uh, with people? So, you know, if enough Buddhists say there's this deity that does this, does the universe... Or, you know, I don't know what the chicken and egg scenario here is, which comes first, the, the deity or, or the, the claim of the deity. But somehow there whips up in the ether a deity who is essentially an illusion too, is in a projection of you and the universe, what your expectation is in the universe. And so it's actually not truth, but a, a truth substitute, a thought form not the thing that happens when thought is dissolved, when the sense of self, which is thought, is dissolved. And if you don't know any of this stuff or like what I'm even talking about, I apologize because it, I know it's a lot. To me, it just, I rattle it off and then I think like we're all on the same page, but that's my fault. Um, but essentially what I'm proposing here and what I've proposed in the past is that there is truth, which is of non-duality. And then there is the universe as an entity as an aliveness who uh, recreates aspects of that through us. So it sends us out like lures in a way. It allows us to have um, non-dual experience so that we bring it back and we talk to each other about it. And in that talking about it, we sort of create uh, this amusement park architecture uh, architecture of, of like the underworld or of so-called spiritual hierarchy or whatever, you know, these states and stages of spirituality that are replicas of the real thing that you experience in its totality when you're uh, in non-dual being mode. But when you're back in duality, again, you communicate it um, and it becomes its own sort of thought form through consensus, essentially and through culture, you know, therefore. Um, is, is that what's happening? And is that merely to keep people in line because most people will not become their non-dual, quote-unquote, selves or, you know, experience non-duality as a 
stage upon which we live, even if they experience it as a state, probably won't even experience it as a state. Is that what it is? Because I, I think it is. I think like someone like Buddha has the enlightenment experience and immediately knows because this, uh, I mean, I'm not saying I'm Buddha, <laughs> but this happened to me in, in a similar sense of having the big I am experience. I explained this in a, one of the first two, I think the second podcast I did here, or the second wise ask show I did here is all about this. So you can go back and listen to that if you want. The I am experience, uh, which I think is probably the same as a Buddha, a Krishnamurti, or whatever. I think it's all the same thing. Uh, truth be truth. Uh, and so did Buddha then um, have this experience and understand simultaneously with the big non-dual all encompassing experience that most people would not experience that, but it's much better to get along with each other and aspire to be higher, uh, than to club each other over the head. And, uh, so here come the rules and regulations. Here come the hierarchies. Here come the branching off paths and all of that stuff. And here comes the replica. I think that's, that is what happened. And I, I think like, just think about this. The difference between nature cultures who are immersed and are never out of, um, nature culture mode <laughs> and, um, cultures that come from either a book like, you know, Christian, Muslim, uh, Judaism, you know, or I don't know if Buddhism fits in that, but come from, a person essentially having an experience and then telling that experience, you know, the big spiritual wholeness experience and then telling other people about it. And then that telling of it, you know, in the telling of it uh, become the setting up of the rules and the regulations and all that. That is a different mind, even though that's, we would call that enlightenment. Uh, it's still a different mind than nature cultures who don't have that type of hierarchy. They already don't have a self sense. Many of these cultures, I'm sure it's not all, but many of them don't have a self sense at all. They have a sense of family. They have a sense of community. Um, and so they don't even need to transcend and include the so-called illusion of the self. Um, so that type of quote unquote enlightenment they're already connected in that they're already hooked up. So their culture comes from th that experience, not the experience of one person telling a tall tale, which doesn't mean it's not true, but just very, you know, hierarchically, let's say tall tale um, of what happened to them and, and everybody ooing and eyeing and wanting it. Um, it's more of a democratized enlightened society in some sense which doesn't mean it stays that way. It doesn't mean it's all, you know, obviously being in an nature culture, it's like, you know, <laughs> you are in the elements. You're dealing with raw life per se. And not all this, you know, literacy debate that we that have now. Uh, so, so it, it's even, you know, the sense of so-called enlightenment is different that way. I know that they have, you know, whatever culture it is would have like a shaman and, or a medicine person or a mamu 
or a, you know, by whatever name, the person who is designated either by birth or, or what have you written in the stars, uh, by occupation, let's call it. Um, they are the spiritual person in some sense who you would go to or the medicine person who deals in such things. But everybody is already relating in heart and feeling pretty good about themselves, <laughs> right? Like, uh, to the extent that they don't even, in some of these cultures, again, even have a sense of self. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I, you know, called this the skeleton key to all worlds, which was going to be the name of my, uh, my follow-up to I Know Why the Aliens Don't Land, but then I ended up naming it I Am to Tell You This, and I'm going to tell you it is fiction. Um, but that skeleton key to all worlds, I mean, in the context of the book, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was Kundalini. But really, the Kundalini aliveness thing, for real, not the YouTube version where people just are like, oh, I feel hot and cold, and, and oh, <laughs> this is all dangerous, you know, whatever it is. I've opened up my crown chakra and now I'm at one with the universe, but I can't articulate what that means. I can only tell you that that happened with zero real emotional attachment to it. Yeah. No, the real thing is it's perpetually alive and awaken you when the self, when the will is not there, when the person who makes the choice to move the body is, uh, has stepped aside um, impersonal will moves the body and does the correct healthy thing always. That's, you know, in a nutshell, Kundalini. And is that the skeleton key? Well, maybe the skeleton key, again, is even more basic than that. It's simply being a good person, which means um, being, first, I guess, psychologically clear. And one one great way to do that is to be in service to people. And I, again, this is something that Greg Kaminsky and I were talking about on uh, a forthcoming episode of dreamland. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's funny because to get to being a quote unquote, good person through helping others, being of service to others is a type of selflessness, right? So it's like, we're already as a Western society and, I guess in the East, right? Prior to Buddhism, maybe, I don't know. It sounds like, um, we're a step behind even the, the nature cultures in, in the, the world, in the realm of so-called enlightenment, because we're still trying to like force ourselves to be, um, to, I almost said communal and it is communal, but really it's living in relationship with one another properly, selflessly. Um, but again, I would propose to you that if that is a choice, if that is something that you are doing and it is not your actual being, then um, you're going to uh, ultimately fall back at some point, or at least you have the option to do something else. You have the privilege <laughs> to be a bad person, <laughs> essentially at some point, to be a jerk. Uh, and... So it can't be anything, even Buddhism can't be anything other than a band-aid solution to you, uh, the sense of self dissolving. And yet there is no other choice because that's what you are. Like that is 
whoever you are is what you bring to the table in search of truth or, you know, genuine goodness, whatever that is. Um, there's just no other way. There's no other way because there's nothing else that you are. It's just coming to terms with that. It's just seeing that about yourself. If you can see that about yourself that, Oh, right, wait, right. If I'm looking for the good, if I'm looking for truth, I must be the false. I must be quote unquote bad, which doesn't mean, you know, you're evil or any of that, but just means that you are, I mean, maybe good and bad are terrible terms to use. Maybe it's more easier digested to say, uh, whole or partial. Um, but the repercussions of remaining partial are that we destroy everything. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, right? Um, simply because we can. So, I don't know. That's my babble. That's just what was on my mind to say here at Wise Ask. If anyone wants to join in, if anyone wants to add anything or even challenge anything I just said, um, uh, feel free to, to chime in here. Otherwise, maybe I will call it in a minute or two. I'll give you a minute to decide if you want to come say hi. No, no. By minute or two, I meant seconds. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really mean a minute. Uh, but let me just ask you this. Um, I, I th thought it was interesting, too, in, in the conversation with Greg Kaminsky. I'm saying this again because more people have joined. But uh, Greg Kaminsky, who is the host of A Cult of Personality and the author of Perneos, a book about um, the initial stages of or steps of, you know, in this Buddhist practice that he does. Um, I had asked him, do people who study the occult and magic with a K and that sort of thing, it seems to me that they're mostly searching for control, uh, searching for power over these, you know, they want to master occult powers, right? And he said he actually did a poll, uh, I guess, amongst his listeners of what are they in this for? And most of them said truth. Yeah, some of them said occult powers and mastery and that. But mostly they said truth. And what do we think truth is like that you can actually search for it? I guess this is the, the, I guess it's the irony that I'm getting to uh, right all along here, which is there's this thing called truth that you are seeking and you cannot find it with you. The seeker, the seeker must be destroyed. Essentially uh, the death of self, the annihilation of self, not through suicide, not through bodily harm, but through the brain actually seeing uh, that the self is in the way of that which is sought. because tr So therefore, and when that happens, you become truth. Truth becomes you. That impersonal, uh, you know, non-dual being shines through the body and alights your personality. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a great cosmic joke in a sense. And yet, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the first person who said this, right? Like, heck, pretty much every religious figure has said this. Buddha has said this, said a bunch of other things, had a bunch of things that said about them, the Jesuses, the Buddhas of the world. But, uh, that's in there, you know, however bastardized it gets by people later, that is the kernel of truth that's there. And, we know this and we keep telling ourselves this and yet we keep seeking 
um, in terms of something that we can have, something that this self isn't annihilated to become, you know, like the butterfly chewing out of the, you know, the, the grub chewing out of the cocoon to become the butterfly. We want to be the grub who is, who just, you know, takes wings and plops them on its back and goes, look, I'm a butterfly. We don't want to chew through a cocoon and become a whole other critter. And yet that is what we must do. And we know this. And yet we keep trying to be the grub who invents the wings, right? We keep trying to invent a way toward truth, these paths to enlightenment and higherness and blah, when all of that needs to be shattered. Um, why do you think we do this in spite of knowing it, right? Like, if this isn't news to you, if, if you've heard this all before, then what are you doing to annihilate yourself? Right? Like, and if the answer is nothing, I don't care. I'm going to keep carrying on this way. Well, that's good and honest. If the answer is I'm doing something, well, that's too bad because nothing can be done. It's, it really is like anything you do is you doing it. The brain has to see this conundrum so totally that it, it relaxes you. It dissolves you. And there again, truth be. But this is so close to actual death, uh, the death of the persona of the body is so close to actual physical death that it is protective of that. It's defensive. You know, the last thing you want to do is die, even if that means you become uh, the enlightened person you, you know, you want to be because you'd rather fake it. These are the conundrums, folks. The, the only thing that you can do, again, is understand this. And again, nature cultures don't even have to go through this, this part of it because uh, they're there. They don't, you, th those cultures that never developed a sense of individuated self or um, individuated self that is to the detriment of all, let's put it that way. Uh, I mean, I find it fascinating because I live in Hawaii and prior to Christian missionaries, you know, brainwashing and beating their culture out of them, um, Hawaiians didn't have a sense of I. There is no sense of identity. You know, now we talk about how, oh, they're all about family. But really, there was no sense of I. What a culture shock to, to meet all of these eyes, right? All of these individual people. Um. And so they didn't even have insults, right? Like they didn't swear. They didn't have quote unquote curse words. Like this wouldn't have even dawned on them because there's no one to insult. <laughs> I mean, just think about that little thing. Just think about the little things in life. Imagine if we didn't have insults for each other, like that's right. Uh, but you know, this is what advancement and, and cultural evolution looks like folks. It, it involves making everybody worse and sicker um, and calling that modernity. Uh, I digress. <laughs> Again, it's like I called this the skeleton key to all worlds, and that is a lure because we all want, oh, what is the skeleton key? You know, what can I have it? Can I hold it in my hand and, and turn the lock? And oh, wait, no, the key is just being a good person. But what does being a good person mean? Well, really, it means being selfless. Well, what does that mean? Well, ultimately, it means being whole. It means, as Jiddu Krishnamurti would say, to steal from him, being a light unto oneself. That's it. 
and oh, well, but wait, how do you do that? Well, you don't. You just understand the conundrum so deeply in the fiber of your being that your own body flips the switch and you are no more for but a split second for truth to be the case, uh, for non-duality to be the case, for, I mean, at least for you to leave brainiac self and drop back into proper alignment in heart where heart uh, monitor, I don't know what's the right word. I don't know. I mean, heart is in charge essentially. Uh, brain works for heart. Heart doesn't work for brain or isn't blocked out by brain. Um, and some of us, even in Western cultures are, are there, right? Are in heart. But even being in heart as a heart culture, as a heart person, isn't the so-called enlightenment that you're also looking for, or else you wouldn't also be looking for that. So, uh, what brings you, what is this allness that we're looking for? It's non-duality. It's timelessness. And the only way out of time is, uh, you can't get to timelessness through a psychological construct, the self, which is time. You know, and for us, for the Western perspective of, of the self, the psychological self, it, uh, you know, takes from the past to modify now, uh, projecting into the future. We have this linear sense of time. We're constantly just judging everything we see by our past, by our past experience, by our culture, by what we're told, by authority, by, you know, outward and inward. And, projecting a future and trying to get there. And so that's the Western construct of the self. And the, the nature culture construct of self is generally completely different with a different sense of time and all of that. And I, I would posture that both of them, you know, whatever culture you come from that whatever self or whether it be individuated or not, uh, needs to be completely dissolved for truth to be the case. Health can be the case. Uh, better health. I mean, there are lots of good things in religion, in Buddhism, in paths, in all of that, practices, um, just like exercise, right, that are good for you, that, that create a, again, it's better to get along than club each other over the head. Yeah. And it's better to be psychologically clear than to be damaged goods and carry around all that baggage and constantly work from the child within. But, um, but then there is this other thing, which is called the complete dissolution of that psychological self clear or not clear, you know, however clear you are, that person also needs to go for non-duality, timelessness, truth. Um, I mean, all of these are, sort of cold words, right? Cold to distant words to mean the consciousness, you know, is it, you want to call it primordial? Okay. But consciousness prior to and inclusive of the body, therefore prior to and inclusive of you, that consciousness to become the self-consciousness in time through the body, through your own psychology. Oh boy, that was a load, huh? Uh, does anyone want to ask anything? Or 
talk to me about anything or just say hello. I, I'll throw it out there again. Um, no, no. Okay. Well, anyway, this interview with Greg Kaminsky, if you're interested, will be on Dreamland, which is found at unknowncountry.com, um, the last Friday of March. So, which I, I think is actually the 31st of March. So, look forward to that uh, if you want. <laughs> um, also, I may have said this in the last one of these, but I've changed my mind about not using this wise ask formula um, for podcasting. I am going to turn these episodes into a podcast on my podcast feed, which is our undoing radio. So if you just Google search or podcast search, however you search out podcasts, our undoing radio, there's the flagship show, which is our undoing radio, which is seasonal. And right now I'm still creating the next season weekly. I'm re-releasing on Fridays, Paratopia, uh, which is a paranormal slash slash uf- ufological uh, show from that ran from like t- the end of 2009 to like 2012 or 2013. Uh, I'm re-releasing all of those because my old broadcast partner, Jeff Ritzman, passed away. And so I'm putting them all out for free. We used to make money at this. Can you believe it? Um, back when making money at podcasting was completely unpopular. And soon, I, you know, in the next, I don't know how many episodes, we started up doing Paratopia Live. Like right now we're at episode, coming up on episode 79. And I think in the hundreds somewhere became Paratopia Live. Um, so Paratopia is on Fridays. At some point, Paratopia Live will be on Sundays. Mondays will be Wise Ask. <laughs> and Wednesdays, whenever I get around to it, will be our doing radio. So, uh, either next Monday or the Monday after, I'll start doing new intros for, for these and putting these out through our Undoing Radio podcast feed, um, if that makes any sense. Go, go sign up for it if you want to hear this stuff again and hear all the other podcasts. All right, I'll throw it out there one more time. Would anyone like to join in, ask a question, say hello, talk about anything? This is your moment. I see you there. I see you watching. I see you. And I see your true color. Oh, wait. Will I get sued for that? No. Uh, Never mind. I'm not singing anything. Anything is copywritten, which is for the best. Nobody wants me singing, people. Oh, there's a guest. Look at that. Okay. Let Let me figure this out. Stephanie Smith. Come on down. Three, two, one. Look at that. Countdown. Hello? (laughs) Oh, man. Stephanie Smith, you left. What is that? Why do you hate me? What? (laughs) I'm hurt. My my non-dual dual self is... uh, Both of them are injured. Um, All right. Well... If nobody would like to join in, then I will uh, I'll call it quits. Thank you for listening. And again, go check out um, Dreamland and Our Undoing Radio. All right. Take care. If my life were a chapter book, the chapter I would be in right now is uh, the one where you're waiting for instruction to know what to do next. Um.
but you come upon the point where you realize that the waiting period is growing you into what is next, and it's within you all along. So kind of like click your heels, Dorothy. You're already home. <laughs>